I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Night of the Long Knives Senior members of the Southeast Antrim UDA have been purged. As of this week, the Southeast Antrim UDA leadership said... They're no longer to do with us. We've expelled them. And that meant it was open season on them. Some leading loyalists have been put out of their homes. Eight masked men attacked his house with baseball bats. They smashed windows, they smashed doors. And graffiti has appeared saying him and some of his other associates have to get out. Sources claim the super gang is actually trying to avoid a bloody feud. And this all comes as new management takes over the Carrickfergus-based syndicate. It has been reported that there is a sort of three-man committee who have taken over running the sort of day-to-day operations of the South East Antrim media. Here with the details, our crime correspondent, Alison Morris. Alison, once again, you're very welcome to the Bell Tell. Can you remind us... For new listeners, just what exactly is the South East Antrim UDA? And I've asked this question many times, perhaps I should ask, what isn't the South East Antrim <laughs> UDA? Yeah, and I do have to explain this quite a lot because when people hear, say, the Loyalist Communities Council on speaking and then they see numerous arrests of the South East Antrim UDA, they associate the two. But the South East Antrim UDA is... Uh, Autonomous, I suppose, let's say it's it's a group that was formed. It broke away from the mainstream UDA way way, way back in um, the mid two thousands. They are now what would be considered by the PSNI one of the largest criminal gangs on this island, not even just in in Northern Ireland. So, I mean, to take it take us back, the UDA would have had one structure, one leadership. Um, it would have had a sort of supreme commander at one time, and then there was a series of bloody feuds in the late nineties and, and early two thousands. Um, and the UDA then, then started sort of split away and form away. But what really happened was, and I remember writing these stories at the time, but um, anyone who sort of follows this kind of sort of paramilitary criminality in this in this part of the world will know who the Shukri brothers are. So we had Andre and Ahab Shukri. Um, they were from North Belfast. They Both of them acted as brigadiers of the UDA at one stage in North Belfast, but they were accused of siphoning off funds belonging to that organisation. Some reports suggested that Andre gambled up to £1 million. 
Um, and the bookies during that time, they were also taking government funding that was being sent to that group and squandering that as well. These boys were living a sort of, you know, extravagant Scarface type lifestyle um, and they were expelled. And when they were expelled, the South East Antrim UDA um, took them in and gave them refuge, if you like. And they then set up a new base in Rathcool under the protection of the South East Antrim UDA. And the way these paramilitary groups work is one group cannot strike first against another group. That would cause a feud. And therefore, if you're under the protection of someone, well, then that means that the Shukri brothers were then free from any fear of reprisals from the mainstream UDA who had expelled them. So that caused all sorts of internal infighting. And Gary Fisher, who was the then leader of the South Belf- or South East Antrim UDA, who had taken over after the assassination of their former brigadier, a man called John Grug Gregg, who um, is most famous for being the person who tried to kill Jerry Adams. He was shot in a, an underpass in Belfast as he came not too far from these offices where we're sitting now as he came off the boat after watching a Rangers match and Johnny Adair's sea company was blamed on authorising that assassination of him. So there is a lot of infighting going on with these organisations, very brutal and ruthless organisation involved in a lot of sectarian um, killings during the, the conflict. But now they are more of a danger to their own community and they're also a very, very lucrative um, organised crime cartel so that I suppose is a, in, a, in a, as quickly and, a, and as easy a way as I can explain is who the South East Antrim UDI are. And we sometimes explain to people you know this is a paramilitary organisation as we would use here and I know we have an international audience in this podcast but this is more a franchise, the UDA in general rather than a combined military type command structure it's, 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 it's r- ruled by a a motley crew of so-called brigadiers. They do. They have these sort of self-appointed titles. You have brigadiers, you have commanders, you have two ICs, like second in command. Um, they give themselves military titles, but basically it is, I suppose, what in any other part of the world would be considered an organised crime cartel um, and quite a large one and quite a successful one as well in terms of the amount of money that they've managed to generate. But what then they will do is they will recruit young people Um, into their ranks and then they become sort of drug dealers, runners, all of that. And then that money all has to be fed back up to the leadership and up to the the, the mainstream um, element of that. And therefore, you can see that this is just a constant money spinner. Um, And it's a very lucrative business and it's one which explains why they don't want to (coughs) disband in any way. There's no real political ideology here anymore. That's all gone long ago. Well, there was some some riots during those Brexit protests um, a few years ago linked to the South East Antrim UDA. That was more to do with the fact that there had been some raids on their homes by the Paramilitary Crime Task Force and by starting those kind of riots, they thought they were going to deter the PSNI from coming in and carrying out more searches. So I wouldn't um, associate them with being under the blanket of sort of political ideology, you know, opposed or in favour of anything particular. They are considered loyalists, but they are basically... Uh, a very sort of organised group of criminals. Um, they're, they're, we call them, they call themselves the South East Antrim UDA, but but they have offshoots in other places. They, they stretch quite a, quite a distance. So they would have people who would live as far as Bangor, Donagadee, North Down. Um, they had quite a big contingent in Newton Ards until this week. Um and then their biggest base, I suppose, would be Rathcool and Carrickfergus. And that would be, um, I suppose, where they have their largest groups, the largest um, numbers which would exist in those areas. And their leadership is basically um, sort of associated around that sort of Carrick area. 
And let's be clear. So the people understand this in context. There are 28,000 people in Carrickfergus the, and the southeast based in other places, but we do understand they have about 2,500 members. So if you go to many places here and you have a look about, some of the people you're looking at are, are in this organisation. It's almost like a giant uh, pyramid scheme. Yeah, and ways, and you know, remember there was there was criticism of not so long ago, a few years ago, of a, a police officer during an inquest who said that you know, um, and Rath Cool, I think it's something like ninety percent of the people that would have some sort of links to paramilitaries, and there was a, a complete outrage from the people, the you know, really decent people living in Rath Cool. But what I think he meant is you might have associations in that you might have absolutely no links to criminality whatsoever, but you might have one of these boys live next door to you and you know he lives next door to you and you just carry on with your life in the hope that he carries on with his life, but you know that they're always there. You might have a, a cousin twice removed who's married into one of these families. You know, your nephew might have got sucked into one of these groups. I mean, when people say there's a link to a paramilitary group, they don't mean that you're sitting there, you know, at a you know at a meeting of the, the brigadier. It just means that, you know, some Someone who you know knows someone who is in one of those groups. And it's very difficult for people who don't live, um, not even people who don't live in Northern Ireland, I'm sure there are plenty of places in Northern Ireland where you could have existed your entire life without knowing any of this. I know any of this this existed. But the, the fact is that those very large, I suppose, housing estates, there's still a, a, an element of coercion there. And then also we've seen that when it comes to the sort of money lending type aspect of that. People who are in very dire circumstances, they have no credit. They can't borrow money from traditional lenders. You know, they don't have um, the ability even to have savings in a credit union to even get a loan from there. And when it comes to desperate times, the only person they do have is the person, you know, they know the two streets away lives X who is linked to that paramilitary group and will be able to lend me 500 quid. And then you have to pay that back. And the difference between that, I suppose, and traditional lenders is the penalty for paying that back is slightly different. Um, so you can expect that there will be repercussions beyond your credit score dropping if you don't pay that money back. As I often say during a podcast, Alison, I think that's a different podcast and we'll certainly yeah. talk about that again <laughs> in, the, in, in the future. But there have been developments in the southeast Antrim UDA in the last uh, number of days and weeks. What's the latest? It's been going on for, you know, I think it's been simmering below the surface for quite some time. So there is um, a contingent, as you say, there's offshoots of this group. As you, well, I mean, I suppose we have to use your terminology, like a pyramid scheme. And one of the, the sort of senior leaders of this group, a guy called Adrian Price, who has been named in court as being in a command position in the southeast Antrim UDA in Newtonards. There has been tensions growing between him and other loyalists in Newtonards and North Down for quite some time. Um, he has been accused of throwing his weight around. In last year, he appeared in court um, facing charges in connection with a, an event that happened in Newtonards when a, you know a couple were attacked. Police came to try and intervene. Um, and Price was involved in that. He ended up pleading guilty to a much lesser offence. But he was being accused of being a thug, of throwing his weight around, and also he was controlling a very tight gang of drug dealers who were associated in that area. Now, as I've said before and explained, that if you're under the umbrella, under the banner of one of these groups, you're sort of untouchable in terms of any other organisation. But as of this week, the South East Antrim UDA leadership, those people who would be based around Rathcool and Carrick, said they're no longer to do with us. We've expelled them. And that meant it was open season on them. So loyalists who they had managed to get their back up in and around Newton Isles for many, many years 
moved against them. And then we have a situation where police were called to Adrian Price's house, where eight masked men attacked his house with baseball bats, they smashed windows, they smashed doors, and graffiti has appeared all over um, North Down and Newtonards, saying him and some of his other associates have to get out. Um, he no longer has the protection of the organisation he once did, and therefore we can't see, I can see no circumstances in which it would be safe for him and his family to remain in that area. Now, this sounds very like the start of a very bloody paramilitary feud, and I've covered enough of those in my time to know how terrible that they can get. And often we find that innocent people are very, very low level. People involved in those organisations end up being the targets and um, where's the leadership es- escape. But the sources yesterday that I spoke to said that it wasn't a feud. They said it was a purge and that they were being removed and that they had hidden and used the banner of the South East Antrim UDA to harass and bully people in that area for too long and that their time was up and that they're out. But you can imagine from a PSNI point of view, this would be incredibly concerning because you would say, what is the strength of that price gang of the UDA? Will they be able to mobilise? Will they seek retaliation? Will they try and stand their ground and stay there? Or will they accept that, you know, the gig is up and move on? Obviously, I'm asking you to speculate slightly, but but what is the feeling of what is next or what could be next? or And of, obviously, sometimes there's a lot of blood up and people say, well, there's going to be pandemonium, but then things can calm down. I'm just going to get, I mean, an example of, I suppose, if you think about what it must be like to live under the sort of jackboot of those type of paramilitary groups. Um, Adrian Price was in court last year. His solicitor entered a a guilty plea in his, his absence, but what the court was told was that a man, a woman and two men had driven into Weaver's Grange in Newtonards. They were confronted by a large gang, which we were told that Price and one of his associates were a member of. Um, they, the court was told that a gun was retrieved, which Price then fired into the air. And officers tried to seize a broken baseball bat as evidence and they were wrestled in a street fight by this gang and the, the, the bat removed. So you can see this sort of like lawlessness that exists in this um, in that type of environment. These people have already been involved in a, f- a feud before. So the South East Antrim UDA is a group that has been associated with infighting in the past. Their, one of their leaders, Geordie Gilmore, was murdered um, and in 2017. And then his friend, Colin Horner, who literally was a guy who went to his funeral and carried his coffin, and that seems to have been his his sins in their eyes, was shot dead in front of his toddler son, in front of absolutely horrified shoppers on a Sunday afternoon in the Sainsbury's car park in Bangor. Um, some of these people who are associated with this current infighting were actually arrested in connection with that murder and were actually the Colin Horner murder. Quite a few of them were um, convicted. They pleaded guilty. Adrian Price pleaded guilty to a much lesser offence of withholding information in relation to that. So this is a group that has been involved in feuding before. Will it happen this time? I wouldn't rule it out because we're dealing with people who, let's face it, if you were in charge of a very, very senior organised crime gang which is making tens of thousands of pounds a month in illegal activity, be that drugs, be that extortion, be that money lending, to give that up and to move away into a life of obscurity. And when trying to explain this to people, I would say, if you are 
a paramilitary leader in a, in a housing estate like that, you are a very, very big fish in a very small pond. And for those people now to move away to somewhere where they're not known, somewhere where there'll be much bigger gangsters than them hanging around the place and they're not going to give over their territory too easy, they become a very small fish in a very large pond. And that's a very difficult um, life for people to adapt to. So will they try and fight back? Well, if they do, I would be fearful that we could see bloodshed. A lot of people, and I noticed Stephen, this story was put onto the Belfast Telegraph website um, and on their social media pages. And a lot of people go, well, just drug dealers fighting with drug dealers, who cares? But the fact is that if houses are being shot at, there could be children in those houses, there could be women in those houses, um, passers-by could be targeted. It's not just, it doesn't just affect the people involved. It's not like these drug dealers go to a big field on the outskirts of somewhere and have a feud with each other. This is something that's happening in a very tight urban area and there's always the risk that really innocent people might become victim to it. And the vast majority of people who live in working class housing estates across Northern Ireland, the vast majority of people, they may know someone who's in a paramilitary organisation, but the vast majority of people are decent, law-abiding, working people. I am from a sprawling housing estate myself. And yes, I mean, the vast majority of people there are just trying to get on with their days, raise their children, educate their children, um, do a day's work and get on. And the last thing that they want to do is find themselves unwittingly just because of their location and because of where they live in the middle of some kind of mad loyalist feud. The thing is that the loyalist groups themselves, so the, the sort of mainstream UDA, the graffiti that has appeared on the wall telling these people to get out was signed um, NDUFF, which is North Down UFF, a cover name for the UDA. So you have the mainstream UDA in that area who have moved against this gang. And then they also, I'm told, have the support of the UVF, who would be, be by far the largest paramilitary group in that North Down Newton Arts area. Um, so if they're... You know, they're clearly outnumbered, this gang, but what I've always found when it comes to reporting and the kind of um, stories that I do is that these people can be most dangerous in their final days, you know, the death throes of an animal. Um, and so I wouldn't rule out that there could be further incidents. And also there are numerous very young men who are involved in this group as drug runners and very petty drug dealers who are associated with them. Um, they're going to find that they're either going to have to disavow themselves to say that they're no longer supporters of this group or they could find themselves out as well and so um, that is why there is an incredibly heavy police presence around the area um, this week to make sure that that doesn't escalate to the point where we're seeing bloodshed on the streets. And it has been reported that a three-man committee is now leading the East Antrim UDA after long-term leader Gary Fisher who we've mentioned has taken a back seat. Now, I'm not sure what taking a back seat uh, means. and I'm not sure about this committee. Can you enlighten us at all on that? And is that significant with regards to what else is happening? Well, Gary Fisher is a name that will be known to anyone who reads the Sunday papers. He features quite heavily in the Sunday Sundays every, every week. But he's been coming under increasing pressure from the Paramilitary Crime Task Force, which has really um, targeted the South East Antrim UDA drug gangs. And his finances are currently at the centre of a national crime agency investigation. In the South, obviously, they have CAB. We don't have that. We did used to have an assets recovery um, uh, an assets recovery group. That doesn't exist anymore. We do now, that sort of recovery of ill-gotten gains is now dealt with by the national crime agency. 
Um, and so there, as the pressure has been building, we have been told that he has stepped aside. He has said that he will remain holding that sort of, you know, made up military brigadier post until he is replaced. And at the in the meantime, um, it has been reported that, that there is a sort of three man committee who have taken over running the sort of day to day operations of the Southeast Antrim UDA. Some people may think this sounds bizarre. It sounds like they're running a... It, it, it sounds like they're, they're running some sort of corporation. Um, but there's, It, it sounds know. like a management consultant yeah. has come in and, yeah. and said, well, uh, why don't we try this? Uh, so it, it is all bizarre. I know it's a story that many people are very interested in and it obviously has an impact on a, a large number of people uh, in our society. Now, we've been talking about the money lending and we've been talking about the drug dealing and other extortion activities. But I mean, let's 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 not forget that these groups, all of these groups have taken people's lives and probably will take people's lives in the future. Yeah. And when I say there's no sort of political ideology around this group, they do have a sort of enforcement aspect to them where anyone who crosses them faces being themselves removed from their homes or worse still um, being beaten to death. They've been responsible for, I think, about seven murders in the last number of years, All you know, the majority of which remain unsolved. We already talked about Colin Horner. We talked about Geordie Gilmore. They were members of that organisation. But they also were responsible for beating to death Glenn Quinn, who was a terminally ill 47-year-old, a very vulnerable man, who was found beaten to death in his Ashley Park flat in Carrickfergus in January 2020. Um, his family have been campaigning for justice for him and they have also then been subjected to threats that have originated from this organisation. Um, Glenn Quinn is said to have mentioned that he thought it was terrible that a friend of his was being intimidated and extort- extorted by this group and that was all that were um, that was needed for him to then be targeted and beaten to death by them. So, I mean, this isn't just... I suppose people think if it's bad on bad crime, none of my business, stay out of it, you know, leave them to it. But that isn't the case, you know, it often trickles through that very innocent people such as Glenn Quinn find themselves caught up in the middle of it. Alison, you mentioned that Gary Fisher, he's in, he's in, he's in the Sunday Life every Sunday. And we've mentioned an awful lot of names here. Now, obviously, we have taken precautions to make sure that we can do that. So people may ask, well, hold on a second here. If if these people's names are in the paper every week and we're sitting freely talking about this and the police clearly know all about them, then why don't they just go and arrest them? Yeah, I mean, and it's a question I get asked most on social media as well. Why don't they just round them all up? And I'm like, well, like a tournament, that worked out really well the last time we tried that. The the fact is that people know that they're members of organisations, but what they've done and what the Paramilitary Crime Task Force has done, I suppose it's like... If you think about the Al Capone, if you can't get them for, you know, being in the mafia, get them for tax fraud. So they target them for their other criminal activities. So they're targeted in terms of their drug dealing and their legal god assets and all of that. But to charge someone with membership of an organisation, they have to admit that they're a member of an organisation. Like even when people are arrested and they find paraphernalia in their houses, um, it's very rarely enough to meet the evidential test to do something someone with a member of an organisation. We have seen people charged with directing terrorism in the past and that is something that the burden of proof it has to be beyond reasonable doubt in a court so knowing something and proving something to the um, to the degree that is is required for a criminal conviction are two very different things but do not be mistaken that there's intelligence being gathered on these people that there's informers in the middle of these organisations 
Um, but what the paramilitary crime task force has done, and people would argue not enough of it, they should have been doing more of it, is they've tried to disrupt their activities. The, the problem is that when people see very sort of petty, almost drug dealers being convicted, that's fine, you know, get as many drug dealers off the streets as possible. But what I think that would instill public confidence is that we've seen those sort of godfathers of crime, those senior people and leadership figures being charged and being convicted. Um, and that is something that, you know, the public constantly say to me, they go, well, these people not arrested. But you'll even notice there's cases going on at the minute. And obviously I can't name names because they're ongoing cases, but you'll see people charged with very serious offences under the Terrorism Act, but they're very rarely charged with membership at the same time. Because to be charged with membership, you almost have to admit an interview or on a recording or on covert surveillance that you're a member of an organisation. Alice Marsh, Crime Correspondent with the Belfast Telegraph. Thank you very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.